0: Reggie mentioned the word catalyst. That's the name of the series that we're in. Um, Catalyst is like something that accelerates a a process in the science world. Like you introduce a catalyst to a thing and it it, to a couple different elements, and they were going to go do the thing that they were going to do anyway, but the catalyst comes in and just like makes it happen at at maybe like a faster rate or at a... um, I don't know. It speeds up the process without losing itself. There's a lot of science behind that. I'm going to get into all of that because most of it I don't understand. I'm not a science guy, and I, I darn near failed chemistry <laughs> when I was in it in high school. I got a I, I was failing at half at the at the midterm, and then I got it up to a C. Um, that's how smart I am. So, uh, <clears throat> but we're looking at catalyst catalytic movements of the spirit. Um, so so today we're looking at this one unity in diversity, unity in diversity. You look at what Jesus did uh, choosing his disciples. He chose 12, right, 12 disciples that he had, and they were a diverse group of human beings. They had four of them were fishermen that we know of. Um, one was a tax collector. He was probably one of the most hated individuals in their society. Another one was a thief, right? Uh, so it was like, it's like a good group of dudes here, um, one was a zealot, which means he was like just crazy on fire for his brand of religion, not necessarily jesus 's. We see that over and over with Peter. Later on, we find paul paul 's a Pharisee uh, he 's a Jew of Jew, but Jew of Jews, but then he 's also a tent maker. Um, so what we see is a diversity of occupations. Thank you, Carrie. Um, someone asked me recently if I thought Jesus it, did Jesus know that he was starting a whole new religion, when he came on the scene and was doing doing what he did? Like, what, was this a, a whole new religion for him? And um, I said, I don't think so. I don't think he intended that because, if nothing else, Jesus was completing or fulfilling what God had already started through Abraham and the Jewish people, but trying to make it global, independent of genetics, right? Independent of the, the family line. Let's make this thing a global thing. But but in reality, the earliest Christians were Jewish. Um, They were like, we call it the Jesus movement of the Jewish faith. Um, But also at the time in Judaism, there were Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes and Zealots, and then the Jesus followers. It's kind of like denominations, you know. Nowadays, you got like Baptists, and you got Presbyterians, and Lutherans, and Methodists, and you know, vineyard, and like they, although they're like, we're not a denomination. Yeah, you are. You kind of are. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so it's kind of like that. There's diversity in how they practice their faith in the early church, and they were still unified. Now, by the time Paul comes around, uh, we see slaves and slave owners, which indicates an enormous wealth gap, right? Um, um, there's people who are then financing the whole movement of Jesus. And then there's people who are receiving all of those funds. So there's diversity of socioeconomics, right? There's diversity in the church. There's, you got rich, you got poor. Now, I don't want to get into like, hey, is it okay for slavery? The Bible doesn't really. Like, no, slavery is bad. They were just addressing issues at the time in which they were living. Throughout the book of Acts, then we see people from all over the world coming to the movement of Jesus. There's Greeks, there's Romans, there's Cretans, there's Egyptians, there's Turks. They're all coming to faith. In fact, then later on uh, in Acts, we see there's an Ethiopian eunuch. All right, this guy's from Ethiopia, so he's a black African eunuch, likely gay, and he comes to faith. There's diversity ethnically in the early church. And because of the ethnic and geographical diversity, there was also political diversity. And of course, just about everybody in this in that time, in, in, the, in that uh, portion of the Bible, they're all living under Roman rule. Um, n- nobody outside the, what's the, you know, people who are outside of the Bible context are living outside of Roman rule, but everybody in the Bible, they are living in the New Testament, are living under Roman oppression. But within that, then, there's different flavors of government. So I'll say this, even though there's not a clear case for it in the Bible, there's a, diver- a diversity politically, within the church. Now, the Bible just has pretty much the Roman rule, but they certainly would have expressed it differently in local areas. So we'll say this. There's diversity politically within the church, and for us in the United States in 2024, it looks like this. The church should not be red or blue. Can we say amen to that, people? Okay, thank you. It's 2024. We're in election year. (laughs) If I didn't tell you I was not concerned uh, for how that is going to impact our town our church in the next 10 months i would be lying to you because i'm concerned the church should not be red or blue there's a big tent of faith under which people who vote red who vote blue and everywhere in between can reside we can be under this unity of diversity because i can tell you whoever gets the is occupying the white house this time next year will not be our savior Also, amen. Okay. There can be unity in diversity. Amen to that? All right. The primary passage we're going to look at comes from 1 Corinthians 12, where we find unity within, within the diversity of the body. Paul uses the analogy of the body, like actual flesh, the body, to illustrate the point that he's trying to make. And we'll get into it in a second. Let me tell you a ridiculous story to set it up back in late October, uh, I was cleaning up the garden. Uh, and, you know, you got to scrape up all the dead stuff and put away the fence and, you know, all the things that you do to clean up the garden for the fall. And I was carrying a, a couple of posts, and one, like, one of the middle ones just, like, slipped down and landed right on my foot, on, on my pinky toe. And it hurt But not enough to like cause super alarm or anything like that. And I just kept going because it was going to rain. I'm like, I got to get this done. I'm just going to keep going. Well, that evening, uh, I took a shower and I looked down, and that sucker was swollen black and blue and had been bleeding. And like, and then suddenly it really hurt. Like, I just kind of moved on. I didn't even know it. And then, like, I look at it like, oh, ouch. That puppy hurts. And then suddenly, Uh, I'm aware of pinky toes now. (laughs) Because normally I don't think about pinky toes. They're just a thing in the body. Maybe they help me with balance or jumping or whatever. I don't jump that much and I'm not that klutzy. So, you know, it just does its job. It's just kind of there. My pinky toe minds its own business normally. Um, But let me tell you, for the next week or two, suddenly pinky toes were on my mind. I was thinking a lot about this unimportant part of the body was now commanding such attention for me. I don't know if it was broken or not. I didn't go get it checked out. What are they going to do with the pinky toe? They're going to say, yeah, it's broke. $100, please. Uh, No thanks. So the New Testament uses the analogy of the body consistently to describe the unity of diversity that's found within our faith. Think about it. There's diversity on all the parts of our body, and yet they're unified together in the body. They say the body of Christ is not just a suggestion. The body of Christ is not an ideal. It's not a commandment. The body of Christ is simply a reality because we all come from a diverse place in our lives and we come together to make up the unity of the body together. That does not mean that the body is fully mature and developed. It doesn't mean that it always works well right away. Just think about how babies function. Um, Is that Anna back there? Okay, okay. Good. I love it. She's doing great. Um, Anna, she's what, uh, 13, 14 months now. 14? Yeah, hey, look at my memory. All right. Can't remember how my kids are, but I remember yours. <laughs> Anna and all other babies, for the most part, when they're healthy, are born with all of the necessary parts to make them human. They're just born. They have all of the parts to be human. They're all there but they don't all work properly, because I've never seen a baby be born and just stand up and walk. They can't use their feet. In fact, um, they don't use their feet for anything except like, oh, look, that's a foot. I must stick it in my mouth, right? They suck on those things for whatever reason. They just shove it all in their mouth, and then they're like, oh, look at that thing down there. I must taste it because they're babies. They don't know. They can't use it right. They can't control their bodily functions. If they got to go, they go. They don't hold it in. They just go. Little babies can't even hold their heads up properly. They just kind of flop around. There's a big noggin of theirs on that tiny little body. They just flop all around. I don't know how many busted lips I got from Sarah, just bam, you know, and she, <laughs> that hard head just hitting you on the lip, she can't help it. She she's proper now. She works It works fine. Now she's headbutting me, it's for a different reason. But even so, when she was ba- a baby, she had all the parts there. She did, she had all the things that made her human. She was born with it. But she wasn't working with them properly. Likewise, when you come into the faith, when you're born again, you have all the parts necessary to be part of the body. But we may not have them fully developed, it may not be fully functioning, it might not be mature yet and you might be as a baby not knowing where you fit in and you might suck on your toes for a little while you might be surprised they're even there but in time you learn your place you learn your maturity into the body and you find who you how you belong and who you belong with in the body it just takes time and maturity so let me let me read some scripture um then we'll just break it down a little bit here's first corinthians chapter 12 12 through 14 For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members, uh, excuse me, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized in one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many." The unity of our faith in Jesus brings us into the body, removing the dividing lines of culturally acceptable biases such as race and religion. Removes it. It's like you're just, it's no longer Jews and Greeks. Jesus is the great equalizer, and the Spirit testifies to that power to make all equal and the same. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. We're all in need of Jesus. By becoming a part of the body, it's, it's a great equalization amongst all of humanity so that the Jew and the Greek, we are the Greeks? Greeks are just slang for everybody but Jews, can worship together, and the slave and the free man can worship together in the same spirit. Can you imagine in those Bible stories where the entire household gets saved I love those stories. The whole house comes in. The whole family comes in. It includes their servants and the slaves and everybody. So in the early church, you would have slaves and slave masters. You would have them worshiping together at the same place at the same time. What a picture of equality and redemption. But we know it doesn't always work, right? Because the church can get ugly sometimes. Humans can get ugly sometimes. We get in the way of ourselves, and the body doesn't always get along with itself, Here's another verse that probably Paul wrote, Ephesians four fifteen through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up, grow up, we're ever to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when, wit, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. King James Version says it's jointly fit together. All of the various parts, all the unique parts, all the parts that don't look like they fit together, somehow jointly fit together so that the body grows up and builds itself up in maturity in love. In love. Not in differences, not in what we hate, not in, in our faith even. In love. And in all of that, we must understand where we fit Which part of the body am I? Where am I at in that? And I can tell you where you aren't. And I can tell you where I'm not. It's the head. We're not the head. None of us are the head. Who's the head? Jesus. Jesus is the head. We must understand who the head is. It's Jesus. And where we fit in the rest of the body, it all works out after that. We must understand our individual and unique role in the body. Your diversity is made into unity in the body when Jesus is the head. It's the head in our bodies that controls everything. Even the things that are, uh, uh, what do they call them, involuntary functions, the brain controls that. The head controls that. The breathing, cut off my head, I stop breathing, right? The heart stops pumping cut off my head. The head controls everything. Remove the head, and all of the other functions cease to work. Jesus is our head, and we need to learn to live our lives into our roles so that the body may grow in love and maturity together. So Jesus brings unity to our diversity. Here's the next uh, passage. Verse 15, the foot should say, because I am not If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? I like how snarky Paul gets here. You know, if you just read that with full snark, like, (laughs) how how are you going to hear if you're everybody's a nose? You know, like let's let's just reason that up. Every diverse part of the body still belongs to the body. Every piece is important. Every person has a role or a function to perform. You might not know what that is yet. You may not feel like you belong, but give it time and give it patience. Just like when the baby is born, we don't have to sort out immediately what that baby will be and what that baby will do. It's just a human. That's just a baby. Give it time let her develop, let him grow and mature and sort out what that human being will do, what its role in life would be. You don't need to know your role when you first jump in to the body of Christ. There's some parts of the body that have a little bit more prominence than than other parts of the body. Um, I found out very quickly the least prominent part of my body, which I thought was a pinky toe, actually has an important role Um, when it hurts like a banshee for Two two weeks on, on straight away. Uh Paul uses the foot and the hand and the eye and the ear. The foot's not so glamorous. Especially in those like in those days they were yeah, their feet were nasty. Our feet are nasty too, but their feet were nasty. Uh uh sandals all the time, walking around dusty, dirt, you know. Our our feet our feet are gross. Their feet are just they're just I'm not in feet, guys. It's just gross. I, foot washing. Foot, I'll do a foot washing, but don't come and foot wash me. Like I don't want you seeing my stinky pigs. You know, like that's it's bad. The foot is not glamorous. It's not maybe as useful as fingers, right? Uh, Abby was saying something oh, while well, she was home on break. Like I don't think I would do well without my hands. Like I'm not going to be able to paint with my toes. I'm not that dexterous. Um, and it's true, the toes just simply aren't as useful. Um, the ear, not exactly as pretty as the eye, is it? You know, just kind of like cauliflower-looking thing, and then you got your pretty eyes. Um, I, I accompanied for a young lady yesterday for solo and ensemble. She sang a song called, uh, "I Hath Not Seen, Ear Hath Not Heard. But a couple times during rehearsal, she would say it, I hath not heard. And I'm like, that's clever, because your eyes have never heard anything. The, 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 the eye does not hear. The eye sees. It's the ear that hears. It has a very specific role and a very specific function. All of these parts, the hand, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the elbows, the knees, everything has a job to do. They have a role. They all contribute to the overall function of the body. Without one part, another part has to overcompensate and work extra hard to make the body function the way it probably should. Ten years ago, I had two ribs removed. Yeah, it's freaky, isn't it? Yeah, up here. Uh, two small ribs went through my armpit. They had cut this one out uh, in February. This one they cut out in June. And the doctor said, you don't need that first rib. It's, it doesn't do any good. But I walked around for three months like this. <laughs> and it, and, and, I, and then, like, to sit anywhere for a long time, like, this muscle, the muscles over here just, like, killing me. I had to go get massages until they took out that other rib and it kind of evened it out a little bit. Because I had to overcompensate for the lack of a body part. I need every part of my body performing its role so that my body functions properly. The body of Christ must have every person within it, all of our diverse backgrounds, all of our shapes, all of our experiences, all of our expertise. We must have everyone included and belonging in the body, each finding their unique role. Here's verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. God arranged the members of the body. We can't all be eyes. We can't all be ears. We can't all be pastors. We can't all be musicians. We can't all be drummers. We can't all be preschool teachers, not that everybody's wanting to. We can't all be kitchen workers. We can't all be greeters. We can't all be secretaries, lead team, treasurers. We can't be all one thing. There's many parts, and yet there's one body. Here's verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I've got no need of you, Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. We think that the lesser part of the body has lesser importance, that we don't need that until they hurt and then we find out just how much we need them. Has anybody ever had appendicitis? It can get pretty ugly pretty quick. Um, You don't think about your appendix until suddenly you have to think about your appendix. Also, I've removed that as well. And my gallbladder. And 10 inches of colon, but whatever. Those, Those parts of the body... Are, are never seen. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I never want to see my heart. I don't want to do it. Open heart surgery where they're awake, that's a thing, I think. No, yeah, I'm not doing that. Uh, knock me out, please. But also, maybe we don't just need to open it up at all. I don't, like, I'd rather not see that. Um, it's, it's probably the most important part that I have, that in my brain, but it's hidden and it's protected. My brain is around this thick head of mine. My heart is around this chest of mine. It's protected. It's very important. It's vital to the overall function of the body, but you don't see it. It's protected. Even though you can't see them, I can't see them, they're protected to a greater extent than the parts that you can see. Some parts get more credit than others. Whenever anybody tells me I did a good job playing the piano, they're congratulating my hands. They haven't said anything about my spleen. Why don't you ever compliment my spleen? You say, good, good job playing the piano. Well, thanks. How about my spleen? Just kidding. I don't know, if it's, is the spleen important? That's probably my next one I'm going to lose. Is it? I don't know. I'm sure it has a role that's vital to the overall function of my body. Even though you don't see the spleen and it never gets any glory, but whenever I do a project at home, I invariably smash my finger with a hammer and it turns black and blue and it causes problems for playing the piano and you would notice that. It's not working properly. It's not doing, what, two summers ago, I was working concrete. I didn't realize how much my hands were getting chewed up from that exothermic reaction that happens in concrete. I was leaving blood on the keys the next day. Remember that Miranda? And she had like ten band-aids. And I'm like, "Oh, Edward, scissor hands here." <laughs> I was so dumb. I didn't know. But I guarantee you, if I smashed my spleen with a hammer, I would. Well, I would probably. I don't know what the spleen does. What's the spleen do? Anybody know? What's, what's it do? Do you know? It doesn't, huh? It's, okay. If I smashed it with a hammer, would it? Would I die? Maybe die. I would get sick. I would not do well. Each part's necessary for the body. Even if you aren't up front and visible and seen, we need the people who are not seen. There's a whole slew of people up back there that make this happen. Guess what? They're as important or more important than we are. But look at them up there, all hidden and protected behind the rib cage of... (laughs) But they are the internal organs that make this Sunday morning thing happen that we do every week, but you never see them. Also, they're very protected because the arrows and the darts and the complaints, they come to here. Okay? They're protected. They're isolated up there. They get the online complaints. They get those. You see what I'm saying? They're very necessary. They're more important, and also they're more protected than the ones who are out front. Every person who is born again is vital to the body of Christ. We need you all. We all must be involved. For the overall function of the church, our diversity of gifts, abilities, our diversity of roles are important, whether or not it's a glamorous eye, a beautiful mouth or voice, or a spleen or a pinky toe, we need every single one of them. And I'll wrap up with this, verse 25 and 26, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. It's important so that there's no division in the body. In our diversity, we have unity when we're all working together, we're all caring for each other, we're all suffering with each other, and we're all celebrating with each other, that's a catalyst for the kingdom. That's how the kingdom grows. It's unity and diversity. What you bring to the family is vitally important to the family. Your experiences, your life, that you, the you that is you, and how you are uniquely shaped to bring value to the world and to the church around you, you are unique and all of us together bring unique contributions to the body. And that cuts across political divides. The body does not care about who you vote for. The body does not care about your socioeconomic status, about how much money you make. It does not care about your genetic makeup, about what color your skin is. The body does not care about educational attainment, where you went to school, and how many degrees you have. But I tell you what it does care about is you. It cares about you. The body of Christ cares about the human beings that make up the body. It cares about one another, that you will know that you are loved and you are included and you belong in the body. There's unity in our our diversity when we recognize that we all have a role to play in the body, and we are each important in our own way to make that body function. And when Jesus is our head, when Jesus is our head and we are making up the body, we make a catalyst for a movement in of the spirit that is virtually unstoppable. Last week we said lean into your identity. This week we say lean into your role into your diverse body of Christ. We're going to sing one more song and I know it's getting late so Uh, As as we pray and sing, um, you're welcome to go if you need to. We're just going to pray here and sing, and uh, that that will function as our benediction. We'll do it again if there's people still left after we're done, but uh, I just want to be honest that that we've gone over on time. So let's pray. God, uh, help us to uh, uh, see you, you at work in our diversity so that we become unified as a body, working together, jointly fit together with Jesus as our head. It's not always pretty. It doesn't always work well. But may we lean, Lord, into the unique nature of each one of ourselves, the unique nature of our identity that you've created us and are recreating us in the image of Jesus. May we come together in unity from that diversity.